Man, why don't you thank the Lord one more time and thank the band as well. Thanks, guys. You're amazing. You're all good. And uh, amazing living word. I heard you uh, had, had an incredible last two weeks. Vicky Simpson last week. How good's that? And uh, Pentecost Sunday. And then Katie Haldane the week before. And she was on this morning, as far as I'm aware. Isn't she amazing? Love Katie. Love Katie. And so it's really, I just get to come in and just ride the wake of the last few weeks, and uh, it's a real honor. And uh, if you don't know who I am, hello, my name is Mitch, as, as Nat said, and uh, and I'm I live in Manly. I'm just, I just thought I'd tell you a little about myself, just so you, so we can connect. You know, uh, I live in Manly. I'm a sailor. Any sailors here? Nope. Okay, good. <laughs> Wrong crowd, maybe. But uh, you know, I say, uh, growing up um, uh, sailing, and my family are a bunch of sailors. Uh, I play soccer. I played soccer yesterday. Uh, what else? Uh, I reckon one of the greatest things, ways to get to know someone is to to know their top five movies. <laughs> and just for time's sake, I won't give you my top five, but maybe I'll share three of them. My my top my my number three movie actually was uh, it's actually the most recent addition to my top five. It's slotted right in there on number three, and it came out about two years ago. And it's an incredible movie. I could preach for an hour just on this movie. And it would actually fit right into the Living Word series. But anyway, we won't. But uh, a movie called Arrival. No, no one? Okay, we're good. All right, clearly I'm there anyway. Uh, Amy Adams, aliens come down. They speak another language. And she, she's like a linguist and she has to decipher. The, anyway, amazing, amazing uh, metaphor of, you know, the, the gift of the Word of God and how it opens our minds. Anyway, um, but number two actually is a classic, uh, The Help. No, delay, delay reaction, but that's all right. The help, you know, Emma Stone, she, you know, she writes a book and, you know, it's awesome anyway. Uh, there's a scene about the pie. Yeah. Uh, and, and then my, my number one, uh, this is really a nostalgic one for me. Uh, I've, it's been my number one since I was 13 years old. Legitimately, if we had two hours, I could recite to you the whole thing word for word. Not, actually, when me and Beck first started courting, one of the first ways I thought I, I thought would impress her was we were standing in a car park after Friday Night Youth, and I recited to her the first 10 minutes of the film. Anyway, Pirates of the Caribbean, number one. All right, mixed reviews again. That's all right. Anyway, but uh, hey, I, I want to I speak tonight. Uh, obviously, I understand that it was Pentecost uh, Sunday last week, and, and I, love, I love Pentecost. I, I love uh, just... Obviously, the, the beauty of our church in that we value the Holy Spirit. And I think uh, the, the church should value the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't think the church can be the church without the Holy Spirit. Uh, but, but what I want to uh, talk about is what happens after Pentecost. Because a lot of us, we, we, we talk about Pentecost, we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about that moment, we talk about the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but, but there is a purpose in Pentecost. There, there, is, there is a reason that we have that. And so I've, t- I've titled this message, um, Day 51. Because we, we all know Pentecost means 50. It's 50 days after, uh, you know, after Christ, uh, His re- death, resurrection. And so 50 days, Pentecost, you know, uh, and the Holy Spirit fell, right? So day 50 was the day of Pentecost. But what happens the next morning? What happens on day 51? Day 50 means nothing if it doesn't affect day 51. Like last Sunday, it counted for nothing if this week didn't change. Do you know what I'm saying? God's plan isn't just that we would be in Christ, but we'd learn to live as Christ. 
And so that's why I want to unpack a bit uh, tonight. And what I want to say to start with is that receiving Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit were never meant to be mutually exclusive. In other words, often in church life, there's a gap between we receive Christ and maybe a year later we get baptized with the Holy Spirit. And obviously these things take time and that's fine. But I reckon in an ideal world, they, would, they shouldn't be exclusive of one another. In fact, I would even say that receiving Christ really doesn't come into fully effect until the Holy Spirit actually comes and empowers us to live that out, to actually put a seal on that and what Jesus did. This is why uh, when, you know, in that 50-day gap, Jesus said, wait. He, said, right, he, com- he literally commanded His followers to, He said, do not move a muscle. Don't go anywhere. Don't like literally just lock yourself in a room up in the attic of a, like the upper, you know, just, just go away. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin what I've done. Just wait there until you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals Christ in us and empowers us to live as Christ lived. When we receive Christ and the Holy Spirit, what we're receiving really is the spirit of adoption. We're receiving the spirit of sonship. In, uh, in Romans 8, 14 and verse 17, it says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but rather the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. And so what I want to say is that as children of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, by default, that makes us citizens of heaven. Did you know that? That literally when we received Christ and was sealed by the Holy Spirit, our citizenship changed. Our point of definition changed. In Philippians, it says this in uh, 3 verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a citizen of this country. My wife here is a dual citizen, actually. Uh, She's also a citizen of Switzerland. No, I'm kidding. She's a Switzerland of England, of the UK. I was just making a gag. Anyway, uh, and, and so that makes her partly a foreigner here before she got dual citizenship because she came here from England and that made her a foreigner. But, you know, when she came here, she received citizenship here as well. And so then uh, in other countries where she's not a citizen, she's considered a foreigner, right? We're, We're on the same page here. And so when our citizenship changed to heaven, that means on earth we're all foreigners. No matter where we live, no matter what country we're in, no matter what we call home, we're foreigners on earth. Heaven becomes our home. Do you know what that means? That we should not feel at home here. You shouldn't feel comfortable here. You shouldn't feel comfortable in the world's culture because that's not your home base anymore. That's not, that's not where you belong anymore. We're citizens of heaven. In Hebrews 11, it says this, and the, talk, you know, um, the writer of Hebrews has just been talking about all these heroes of the faith. And it says this in Hebrews uh, 13 verse 16, all these were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Admitting, admit, imagine just, isn't it, you get to a point where you go, you know what, this isn't home. It's not where I belong. 
I'm a stranger here. This is strange to me now. And I, I, I got uh, saved at 15, didn't grow up in a Christian home. And I reckon one of the first things that shifted for me was, was a sense of, of allegiance, a sense of alignment. Because I, I love my family, amazing family. I loved you know, my friends at school, great friends, non-Christian friends though. And I noticed there was this sense of, of I'm, I'm, I feel like a stranger now. You know, and, and we're going to talk about what that means for us in a moment. But, but I think that's important. And that's what these guys are saying here is that they admitted it. I think it's a good to just vocal, vocalize and say, you know what? I don't belong here. I'm not going to settle in this culture. I'm not going to settle in this comfort zone, in this place. As believers, I love, I love this because obviously we're all from different cultures. And I love, I love that about Silverwater. This is a beautiful cocktail of, of, of all the world's cultures. And it's just refreshing for me because <laughs> I live on the northern, you know, you understand why. This is, uh, this is much nicer. This is much more like heaven. But that we are, when we're here on earth, we're all strangers together. It's not us versus them. It's not you versus me. It's we're, we're together. We are all belonging to one location, to one citizenship, to one place. It means we're all foreigners. We're all in the same boat here. We're all together in this. And this is why Jesus said, stay in the upper room. Because, you know, they were in uh, Acts 2, it says uh, they were all together in one place. You know, they were not united geographically, but they were not united yet spiritually. And that's the other reason why Jesus said, don't go anywhere. Because even though you're together in terms of you understand who I am, you've seen a few things, you've witnessed a few, few things, what's happening on the inside, you're not, you're not united yet. And so until we actually mutually receive the Holy Spirit and live by the Holy Spirit, actually we don't have the same DNA yet. We don't have the same source code. We don't have the same thing that connects us and so that we could be on far sides of the planet, on any which room. We could be at Silverwater, or at Oxford Falls or Marylands or anywhere else, but we're still united even if we're not in the one place. And so that's why it's so important. Here's the thing. If we are citizens because we're children of God, makes us citizens of heaven, Living in a foreign land, this is what I felt so strongly to impart tonight and, and implore you with, is, is that, that that doesn't just make you foreigners in a land, surviving and getting through and just, oh, one, one day we'll get home. But it makes you an ambassador. That's what it makes you. And that we are here on mission. We are here for a purpose, that Pentecost had a purpose. What the Spirit of God did, it says you're not just a son, you're not just a daughter, you're not just a citizen of heaven and a foreigner in another land, but you've actually been given a purpose while you're away from home, and that is to represent where you come from, to represent heaven, to be an ambassador. In uh, one of my favorite scriptures in, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20, it says this, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making His appeal through us. We implore you then on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know what that makes the church? Church makes the church an embassy. That's what it makes this house. So that when someone walks in here from whatever walk of life, from whatever culture, from whatever background, they walk in here and they're walking into the territory of heaven. They're walking into the dominion, the rule, and the reign of Christ. And they step into another zone. They step where the, the rules are different. The, cult, the, 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 the whole, the, the makeup, the atmosphere, it should be different. And we shouldn't apologize for that. Our mandate is to go throughout the earth and invite people to receive heavenly citizenship. 
There's no walls on this city. As it says in Zechariah, it says there'll be no walls in this city. It's a prophecy about the future kingdom. I don't know if you've ever tried living underwater. Anyone? Anyone love the Little Mermaid and just wish you could live under? No, anyway, I know we've got to take her over here. But, you know, if you, if you were to, li- to live underwater, you would literally need a cell transformation. You'd need gills, right? Yeah, anyone? Harry Potter? You know, the, you know in, in Goblet of Fire? Anyway. <laughs> so, movie references are just flowing right now. <laughs> or anyone try to live in space? You know, you'd literally need a whole cell transformation to live in space. You know, to live in heaven, that's what we needed. But as spiritual, we need a spiritual transformation to live in God's holiness, to live in God's presence. We actually needed that level of transformations. In, in, in Philippians uh, 3 and verse uh, 21, it says, Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Yeah, you know, it's the plan that we would be transformed to that degree so that we can live in God's holiness and God's presence. Why? Because the earth is going to be destroyed. Not to be morbid. But here's, here, here's, here's the problem, is that there are th- the world is currently full of people who don't know that their citizenship, their address is in the wrong place. And so they need that. In uh, 2 Peter 3, it says, is, is, is this the right bit of scripture? Uh, I just want to take you through a bit of a journey of why Pentecost matters. In 2 Peter 3, it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear and roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything will be laid bare. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so He calls us and He puts us on mission as citizens of heaven in a foreign land on a mission with a purpose to be ambassadors, to represent and invite people to receive citizenship, to be on the book and receive transformation so when the whole world wraps up, we belong to Him. That's the goal. Two quick traits about an ambassador. Number one, we see differently. We see differently. If you're an ambassador, if you, if, if you represent God, you see differently. One of my favorite scriptures, and you guys might not have this, but in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, it says, so, so from now on, we, we don't view people from a worldly point of view. If, you're an, if you represent God, we see differently. We see people differently. We don't see people from a worldly point of view. We don't see you like, oh, oh, well, I'm from here and you're from there. Or you've done this and I've done this. Or this is your bank account and this is my. But that's not how God sees. God's no respecter of person. He sees, he sees on another level. You know, when we represent Him, we don't see from our own flesh eyes. We see from God's perspective. And so to represent Him is to see people differently. Second thing is we serve differently. We see differently, but we serve differently. Another one of my favorite scriptures in our 1 Corinthians 9, it says this, we have become all things to all men so that by all possible means we may save some. You know, if, if our citizenship on earth mattered more than our citizenship in heaven, we couldn't do that. I couldn't become all things to all men because I've stated my place. And I said, oh, and, it, and it becomes this us versus me, us versus them thing. Like, well, I'm Australian and you're British or wherever else. 
you know, and it becomes this thing of like, this is my defining fact. And this is your defining fact, and therefore I can never fully become all things to all men because this is who I am. But if I'm of heaven, if my citizenship is in heaven, it's on another planet, it's out of this world, so I can literally represent heaven and be all things to all men in every situation. To a Baptist, I can be a Baptist. Come on, to an Anglican, I'll be an Anglican. Come on, to a, to a Brit, I'll be a Brit. And that's where we get that strength and that ability because, uh, because, this, because any, any, any definition on earth doesn't matter. The definition that counts is the one in heaven. When we align with something on earth, we can't become what our, someone else is. And so how, how, how does this work? I, I, want, I want to start by saying there, there are two key things that the Holy Spirit does in us. Two things. The first thing is He works in us. The Holy Spirit's work in us. One, a, common, a common term that we would use is, is sanctification, which kind of can be a bit of a scary word. It, kind of day one of Bible college, you know, you hear the word sanctification. But, but really what it's talking about is the God doing a miracle in your life. That's what, I, I think that's the journey of sanctification, is God unlocking miracle after miracle in your life internally. I reckon the, the key defining thing about going on a journey of the Holy Spirit's work in you is about recognizing His voice. I, th- I think if, you, if we can recognize His voice, we'll do this journey well. In John 14, it says this in verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He'll, he'll, he'll talk to you. He'll unlock things. And will remind you of everything that I've said. The Holy Spirit guides us and forms the image of Christ in us. His goal is freedom and restoration. He wants to do a miracle in our lives. His goal is to keep us free, not just set us free. That's His goal, is to keep you free, not just set you free. The goal ultimately is to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, which we won't go through for time, but in Galatians 5, there is nine fruit of the Spirit. And it's really what it's a picture of is godly character. It's a picture of Christ in us, and that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. The goal isn't just that we would experience more of heaven. You know, often we think that's the Holy Spirit, that we just experience more of God, experience more of God. Oh, God, I want to experience like, oh, you know, and that's what we do, right? And we just drink, 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 and that's awesome. There's a part to play in that. But the Holy Spirit's job is not that you would just experience more of heaven, but that you would actually represent heaven more. And so that when you walk into your work, it's not like, oh, I wish I was experiencing heaven. And you're like, like yesterday on Sunday, but it's actually like, no, hey, am I representing heaven today? It's not just that I would experience heaven on day 50, but am I representing heaven on day 51? That's the Holy Spirit's goal in our lives. He guides us. I want to say this though, that the voice of condemnation is not the voice of Christ. Because often in this journey of sanctification, we, we get into this rut where we actually think, okay, God's challenging me on something, but I feel condemned at the same time. And so what is that? Well, what is that actually about? In Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And many of us would have heard that scripture. And that's an important scripture to know, that there is a difference. There is a distinction between the voice of condemnation and the voice of Christ. They are not the same voice. And when you hear the voice of condemnation, you are not hearing the voice of Christ. When you hear the voice of condemnation, 
you are not hearing the voice of Christ. Condemnation is a voice that will keep us down in guilt and shame. Where Christ stands with us, He covers us and He cleanses us. Here's the thing, that's why I love it. It's not because we're not guilty. We're all guilty, right? We've all sinned, we've all fallen short. It's the fact that we are guilty and He doesn't condemn us. We are guilty. Um, we're all, we will admit that. That's why we're here. We say, God, we, we need a Savior. And even in our guilt, He cleanses us. He doesn't point a finger. He covers. What I want to say, though, is sometimes we do feel unnecessary guilt. I don't know if you've ever had this. I was a bit like this growing up when I first became a Christian. We can have a bit of an overactive conscience, right? And we can actually, this is a real issue for a lot of believers, where we, where we feel a great sense of guilt, uh, and we think it's God. And, and, and I'm not saying, it, so, sometimes we are, but sometimes we're not guilty and we feel guilty about things. Right? I don't know if you've ever had this and we feel that. And it's because our conscience is, all, is a tool. You understand, your conscience is not the voice of God either. Your, con- your conscience is a tool that God will use, but it can be also used badly in the, if it's in the wrong hands. I love this quote by Martin Luther. Uh, it says, my conscience is captive to the word of God. You know the best way to differentiate between is this the voice of, of God speaking to me and convicting me and challenging me or is this my conscience like grilling me on something that I shouldn't ever have to worry about is, is in the Word of God, is to get the Word of God. And it says the Word of God says in Hebrews 4, it says the Word is alive and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Do you know what it does? It divides between soul and spirit. It actually will cut through and separate and go, you know, you know what, this is just your soul. This is just your flesh. This is just your emotions. This is just what you're going through. This is just the world's influences. And this is the Spirit of God speaking to you. And so the Word of God grounds what God is doing in your life. The Word of God will ground the work of the Holy Spirit through you. The Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit. It is best handled when it's in the Spirit's hands. And so they're not, in, they're not separate. It's not like, oh, I'm a Word guy, I'm a Spirit guy. No, no, no. They're together. And as we are in the Word, the Spirit will then be armed to do His work in our lives. Amen. Amen. Okay, but I want to say this. His presence is not His permission. Okay, so it's awesome that God stands with us and He covers us and He cleanses us. But just because He stands with us, it doesn't mean He wants us to stay there. Let me read this in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. He doesn't condemn, but he doesn't always condone either. That's important to recognize. Sometimes we think, oh yeah, he covers me, so I'm gonna stay where I am. He loves us too much to leave us there. He covers us, but he convicts. Uh, I, lo- I love this analogy of um, imagine yourself in a prison cell in the deepest, darkest part of a cell. No windows, completely pitch black, gross, bars on every side. And then when you receive Christ, the moment you receive Christ, that cell is open. You're set free from that cell. But you are still in the center point of this, fall, of the, of this dungeon of this prison and you don't know your way out. As soon as those doors open, the Holy Spirit's there. He said, hey, follow me. I'll, I'll, I'll lead you out. And if we don't follow, we go, oh, no, I'm good. 
we'll probably run into one of the jailers who will get thrown back in prison. But if we go, you know what, I'll follow the Holy Spirit here. And we don't know where we're going. We're being set free from sin. We're being set free from the snare and the hold of sin. But we still need to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us out of a world that is still in sin. And if we don't, we'll probably wind back in the cell. We've been set free, but the Holy Spirit wants us to stay free. And so by following and listening to His voice and recognizing His voice, He'll guide us because He knows the way out. And that's what He does in our lives. Grace doesn't just give us, uh, grace doesn't just set us free. It actually gives us the direction and the desire to stay free. And so we need to embrace His voice. Embrace His voice. His voice is actually the greatest sign of His love to us, to hear His voice. And we shouldn't run from it or fear it. Second thing that the Holy Spirit does is He witnesses through us. The first thing He does is He does work in us. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is He witnesses through us. If, if, if His work in us is about recognizing His voice, His witness through us is about releasing His gifts. In our 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. That's the second goal of the Holy Spirit is actually to move through your life. So you're actually not just an ambassador with nothing to do, but you're actually being equipped with things to bring to the world. These gifts help bring heaven to earth. And we ultimately what we're doing is we are taking up the mantle of Christ on the earth to represent and be Christ to the world. In 1 Corinthians 12, it outlines nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, nine fruit of the Holy Spirit working in us, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit witnessing out of us. You know, a dove, which represents the Holy Spirit, has nine wings. I'm sorry, nine wings. Imagine that. <laughs> Not, ruin that one. That would be a cool dove. A dove has nine primary feathers in each of, it wing, each of its wings. Yeah, we cannot, we cannot live a life of balance in the spirit that's both spiritually aware and not of this world, but also an ability to resonate and be integrous and understand and be relatable to the world we're in. We need balance. We need to understand how to fly straight. You know, a dove can't fly straight with two without with just one wing. And so we need a balance of the fruit of the spirit growing in our lives. And then the gifts of the Spirit operating in our lives. And that's actually the picture of the fullness of the Holy Spirit working through us. And often we can go, oh, you know what, I'm just going to focus on my character. And that's good. You focus on your, focus on your character. But for what? If we're not actually representing God as well. We're just going to fly around in circles wondering, God, why am I here? What have you got for me to do? What is my purpose? Until we go, you know what? Yes, I'll be good and I'll let my light shine before men. But you know what? I'm also, I'm going to represent the power and the authority of heaven. I'm going to be that ambassador and fly straight. Amen. This purpose of these gifts are to edify the body and to be a witness to the world. I love, I love uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, in, in Acts 10. And because what the Holy Spirit will actually do when we're walking through, working, when He's working through us, He'll actually speak to us in a whisper. And because we've learned to recognize His voice when He's working in us, we'll recognize His voice when He wants to work through us. And He begins to speak to us and say, hey, go there, or hey, speak to that person, or hey, do this, or hey, don't do that. 
I love this scripture in uh, Acts 10, 19. It says, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, he was, Peter was on his roof praying, right? He was thinking about a vision he just had. And the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Isn't that cool? This Peter's just up there praying. There's a whole other message about being in a position to actually hear from God. But yeah, he's up there praying and the Spirit just said, hey, there's three guys. They're on their way to get you. And don't hesitate. Just, just go, just trust. You know, I love, uh, the reason I love this story so much, because this story, it gets very little exposure in the Scriptures, but really is the catalyst of why we are all here today. That is the first moment when the gospel was given to the Gentiles. In fact, the vision Peter had was about the experience he was about to have. He was saying, hey, don't, don't consider what, is, what I've called clean, don't consider it unclean. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't view people from a worldly point of view. He's saying, be an ambassador in this moment, trust me. Go there, go there, represent them, represent. Be a Gentile to the Gentiles, even though you're a Jew. That's what he's saying. And so he did. And Peter, even in this moment of he's still figuring it out, the Holy Spirit falls and these people have this amazing experience. We never understand the full extremity or the full weight of our little moments of obedience to the Holy Spirit when He guides us and what that's going to do later. Peter would never have known that that moment of just the Spirit saying, hey, there's three guys coming to get you. But because of that, the church around the world is in existence today. Isn't that amazing? If I can get the band to come back out, that'd be awesome. I want to I finish by just to, taking you through a, a, a little story in, in Acts. It's about another one of my favorite characters named Stephen. Stephen's, Stephen's a cool guy because he's not the main guy. And I love Stephen because of that. And you understand that mo- more, more of us are not the main guy than the main guy. In fact, we have a large majority because there's only one main guy, you know. The rest of us are all Stephen in this situation. And I love Stephen because he is what I would consider a true ambassador. He truly knew what it meant to represent God. He was a team guy, you know, and he was picked because of a need. Like literally, like he was picked to, to help support the distribution of food amongst widows. That was why he was picked. That was, that was the job he was given. And even in that, God used him. And he was chosen. You know, the, number, the, the main reason the criteria that God gave the disciples as to why they were going to choose Stephen is because he was full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Here's the number one criteria God's looking for. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Because we can't represent Him without the Holy Spirit. We can't be who God has called us to be without the Holy Spirit. And literally four times in, in this one passage about Stephen, it mentions how he was full of the Holy Spirit. Four times. In Acts 7, it says this. Stephen had, had been getting, copying more and more abuse. And because of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that he had this wisdom that came from heaven. He had this power. And he started talking and conversing with all these people that were beginning to riot and Getting on, getting on people's nerves, and he, you know, and, and he just stood there, and gently and calmly, by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, he would answer and he would bring truth and wisdom, and it got to this point where literally he was facing, like, the, 
the degree of persecution where he would lose his life. And in Acts 7, 54, in the message, it says this, at that point, they went wild, a rioting mob of catcalls and whistles and invective. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, hardly noticed. Isn't that awesome? So when you represent God, you, you know, we can probably expect that there's gonna be a bit of, bit of opposition, a bit of tension and different parts of the world that's gonna look different. Well, how that looks here is different, but it's no less important because it's still God using those moments for us to fix our eyes on Him. And He said this, He hardly noticed. He only had eyes for God. Only Jesus, right? The song we sang. Whom He saw in all His glory with Jesus standing at His side. He said, oh, I see heaven wide open and the Son of Man standing at God's side. You know, in the face of opposition, when we're full of Holy Spirit, we see Him. That's all we need to see. We can get through pretty much anything because we see Him. And we saw, we see into heaven, into the eternal, into where our citizenship belongs, into our home. And we say, hey, that's in light, in light of that, this is nothing. Hope is living in the now as though the future had already come. That's why we need the Holy Spirit because it's, it shows us heaven. And we say, hey, I'm living that now because the Holy Spirit's in me. 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What is the Holy Spirit? It's heaven in us. It's a deposit. It's a glimpse. It's a moment saying, hey, what you've got, it's just gonna get better. It's just gonna get better. Ambassadors have an eternal hope. I love this though. In Acts 7, a little later, literally this crowd is, is, is crowding around Stephen, getting ready to kill him, getting ready to throw rocks and take his life. And it says this in verse 60, then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. I've heard that line somewhere before. I don't know if you have. Lord, in the moment of persecution, in the moment of death, and he has the guts to say, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. I've only heard one other person say that. When Jesus was on the cross, and they're throwing insults and nailing him to the cross. And he said, he said, Lord, don't hold it against them. They know not what they do. You know, in, this, in, in that moment, Stephen was representing God in his rawest form as a true ambassador to the point where even in the face of death, he was literally at the point where he could forgive. Isn't that amazing? What a challenge uh, for us to not just have the Holy Spirit, to have nice experiences, not just to work on our character even, not even just to have the Holy Spirit's gifts working through us. We can see healing and signs and all these amazing things that the Holy Spirit does, but that He would give us the strength, the hope, and the ability to look in the face of opposition, to look in the face of persecution and say, 
life together. Because I'm representing God. And that is the greatest representation of God on the earth is His forgiveness. Why don't you take a moment, close your eyes.